millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. The assignment to the remote park ranger station nestled within the heart of the eerie Texas forest arrived like an ominous rite of passage. I was eager, perhaps even naive, as I stepped into this role. The whispers of unsettling history that clung to the very air seemed nothing more than ghost stories told around campfires. The tale of previous rangers vanishing into thin air held no real weight as I set foot in this dark expanse of nature. The first weeks were a blur of learning the lay of the land, acclimating to the solitude, and acquainting myself with the quirks of the station. It was only when the novelty of my surroundings wore thin that the shadows seemed to creep closer, stretching fingers of unease across my spine. My predecessor's mysterious disappearances started to weigh on my thoughts, like a dark cloud that refused to dissipate. 
as I attempted to settle into my new role, the forest seemed to conspire against me. Unnerving creaks and whispers taunted me during my solitary nights, and my once peaceful patrols now felt like treks through the unknown. The rustling leaves and distant howls that once held the charm of wilderness now held an edge of something sinister. Then came that fateful day when I embarked on a routine patrol that would forever shatter my perception of reality. The air was thick with an unspoken tension as I ventured deeper into the heart of the forest, the tall trees casting elongated shadows across my path. The echoes of the past whispered through the rustling leaves, a reminder of the rangers who had come before me and vanished without a trace. My heart quickened as I stumbled upon a peculiar sight, something that defied all reason and explanation. There, amidst the twisted underbrush, crouched an unknown predator. Its long, sinewy arms hung limply against its emaciated sides, and as my gaze traveled upward, I was met with a sight that would forever haunt my nightmares. The creature had the head of a human, a human who had suffered the slow ravages of malnutrition. Its once human features were twisted in a grotesque mockery of life, its hollow cheeks and sunken eyes casting a malevolent gaze. The chest that swelled beneath its wiry arms was disproportionate, its ribcage protruding like a skeletal cage, a stark reminder of the fragility of life. What it initially appeared as a coat of white fur was, in fact, its pallid, deathly skin. A sickly white hue was punctuated by gray undertones, the entire visage a macabre dance between life and death. The eyes, however, held a horror that surpassed all else. They were half the size of its head, twin orbs that seemed to drink in the light of the sun and reflect it back with a soulless brilliance. As if sensing my presence, the creature's gaze locked onto mine, and a bone-chilling screech pierced the air. Instinctively, my hand moved to the rifle slung over my shoulder, and I raised it toward the sky, firing a single shot that shattered the oppressive silence. The creature halted in its tracks, a chilling realization dawning upon it. For a moment, we stood frozen, two entities on the precipice of a confrontation that defied comprehension. Then, with a flurry of movement, the creature turned and sprinted into the woods, vanishing into the Inkai darkness as quickly as it had appeared. Left in a state of shock and disbelief, I stood amidst the eerie quiet, the echo of the creature's screech lingering in the air. Had my isolation and the weight of the past conspired to play tricks on my mind, I couldn't be certain. As I returned to the ranger station, questions swirled through my thoughts, an unrelenting storm that refused to abate. The unsettling history of the forest had become my reality, and the chilling encounter with the unknown predator had etched itself indelibly into my consciousness. Days turned into nights, and nights into days, as I grappled with the enigma that had infiltrated my existence. The whispers of the past became my constant companions, their haunting cadence woven into the fabric of my every thought. The forest had claimed my predecessors, and now it sought to claim my sanity. To this day, the memory of that encounter lingers, a silent specter that continues to haunt my every step. The truth behind the creature with the eyes that mirrored the sun's brilliance remains as elusive as the shadows that dance on the forest floor. And as I stand at the threshold of that remote ranger station, I am left with the undeniable certainty that some secrets are meant to remain buried within the depths of the unknown.
I was deployed for over a year in Afghanistan. It was one of the most unique and terrifying experiences of my life. I was walking back to the base alone one night, deep in the night. Everything was silent for miles in the desert night. You can really hear just about everything. There were no city lights in sight. The night was black, and the only illumination came from my flashlight, which cut a small beam into the darkness. The base, however, was well lit, so there was ample light to see the ground at my feet. I heard an unfamiliar noise off in the distance, which kind of reminded me of a woman screaming. As I'm patrolling, I was a little concerned and took off my helmet, adjusted the volume of my radio. Just as I did this, these horrible, what I can describe as demonic, Screams started coming from all directions around me. Completely unsure of what to do, I made the decision to stay where I was until I could properly assess what was happening. After a few minutes, this large light materialized about 45 meters into the air above me. It circled around me for a minute or two with this horrible screaming sound coming from it. I kept my weapon aimed at the sky, waiting to see if anything else would happen. It seemed to nearly pulsate in light and emit this loud noise. I began to think that this was some sort of cloaking device before dematerializing. Several other soldiers saw too, but nobody could figure out what it was. When I got home, I told my wife about the situation, and she seemed to believe that I saw a UFO of some kind. I myself am not exactly sure, but it is something I cannot explain to this day. Also, I was in Iraq in 2010 and witnessed another strange thing. One night around 3.30 a.m., I took up my guard position on the roof of a police station, and suddenly this green light enveloped everything. It appeared that some sort of craft was flying over us, but nobody else saw it at the time. Apparently, I was the only one to notice this, and even when I talked about it with fellow soldiers, nobody seemed to understand what I was saying, like they were never present for it, even though they were only several yards away from me. I encountered a creature on July 23, 2015, right around 10 p.m., I live in a small town called Penfield in Clearfield County, Pennsylvania. I was driving home from work on a Boy Scout road in Penfield, and I saw a large brownish tan creature crouching on the side of the road. It had a very large misshapen head, yellowish eyes, and a very long nose, kind of dare I say goblin-like. At this point, I slammed my foot into the gas pedal and did not let off the gas until I reached my home. I'm a very factual-based person, and I don't hold any personal beliefs as far as supernatural things are concerned. But since that night, I don't know what to think anymore. The reason I'm writing this is because I saw that thing back in November, and see, I have a friend who was a sergeant. He claimed to have seen a goat man back in the fall of last year as well. This is all the information I could really give you for now. If you need any more, please feel free to ask me. Starting roughly 19 years ago, I'm 38 now, I was in the woods behind one of my friend's houses camping. We were maybe only 500 minutes 550 yards away from the house and only took a few steps in the direction of the house to see it on the other side of the cornfield that was used for hay that year. 
We had a fire started and we were just hanging out talking and enjoying the summer night. We had gone to Lake Michigan earlier and a girl we met that lived nearby decided to come with us and hang out being our one friend knew her somewhat from his job. We all agreed she would get the tent and we would all sleep around the fire. After an hour or so we had an amazingly bright light shine down right over us. We all kind of wigged and got up but then a strong wind came down on us and the light slowly moved away. We all decided it was the police helicopter looking for marijuana plants and seen our heat plus the fire on the thermal camera. We all laid back down and within maybe 10 minutes we would all be back to each other hearts racing. As we laid there, there was an ear-spitting screech. Before any of us could get up something with some considerable weight hit the leaf-littered forest floor. Now, all of us standing, a creature that seemed no larger than a wolf, ran not walk multiple times around us before we could get a bead on its location. The girl, sorry forgot her name, now was in the tent doorway and two of my friends had almost teleported into the tent they moved so fast in fear. At this point the creature had stopped moving but we still couldn't pinpoint where it had stopped. The only views we could get was it had a gray and white fur, not patterned but random patches. It moved more like a person on all fours but way faster than even a wolf on a dead run. We also realized that the helicopter we figured was the dope scope was still nearby. Not far but we could see stars being blocked out by it moving from west to east almost like it was strafing. Another ten adrenaline filled minutes passed and we assumed it had left. After another hour of laying there listening and waiting for its return we all started falling asleep. In the morning nothing in the campsite was disturbed and nothing was damaged. I walked back to the house to get some eggs and other things for breakfast. Nothing felt off except for the constant feeling of being watched from the woods, but after that long night it, I could understand it. On the way back though, at the different angle of view, I noticed three distinct areas in the hay that were pressed down in an almost perfect triangle. Once I got closer there was a static feeling to the air and all my arm hairs stood up. As I got closer to the woods a strong feeling to turn around hit me like a ton of bricks. Across the field around 250 yards away there is a piece of the woods that splits the two fields. In that narrow strip of trees stood a cross between a dog and a great ape about six to seven feet tall on two legs. It seemed that he say uncomfortable being on two legs as it swayed side to side like it was unbalanced. I turned back and headed to the campsite and made breakfast saying nothing to the rest as heading back to the house whatever was going right by the creature. Roughly three hours later we headed to the house and there was no sightings or off feelings. The next sighting was about four years later while hunting family property about four miles from the original sighting. Sitting in the woods by myself that evening, I had a group of four does come in. Now I would sit in the thicker woods but had a 270 sighted in at 100 yards. I had three lanes that were optimal for that rifle but two years before got a hard shot on a buck only 75 yards away and threaded a needle with the bullet so I was very comfortable with any shot. Anyway, the does were calm and moving slowly feeding with no care in the world. After several minutes the largest doe kept checking behind them hearing something but I could not. They suddenly jumped all at the same time and even crashed into trees trying to get away. I still heard nothing and couldn't see anything in the direction she kept looking. Slowly I noticed a gray and white haired creature moving in down like a canine hunting. 
When I got the first good look, I immediately recognized it. This time, though, I didn't have any anxiety, no racing heart, and felt completely calm unlike the first encounter. It was not because I had my rifle as the first encounter I had my shotgun that I carried to and from the house even. It moved through the woods and almost seemed to be avoiding me but also the feeling it knew I was there. It walked behind the denser underbrush and would almost leap through the shooting lanes I had as to try and stay hidden and not give me a shot. Not that I was going to as I have a strong belief that cryptids and paranormal interactions should be viewed and felt with strong actions a last resort option. It only made a very low growl as it would have been entering the field about 75 yards from me. I waited around 30 minutes before heading in for the night as the creature moving through would have kept anything from coming in. As I walked back I never felt the need to rush or even look behind me. Coming into the small grass field we let grow over on the property there once again was a rush of wind and a dark object in the sky which I could see better this time as a triangular shaped object but it rounded out sides like a triangle that was filled and the sides were about to burst. It moved slowly the direction the creature moved and then quickly disappeared in the opposite direction extremely quickly. The last time I had an interaction with the same creature was only three years ago but now 50 minutes 55 miles to the south. I was hunting the Allegan State game area only a few days into the firearm season. Anyone that knows that area during deer season knows it is filled with hunters from all over. I usually would go to the more difficult areas as the city people wanted to hunt 10 feet from their vehicle and not have to work for their deer. I was deep in the woods by the Swan Creek area, and the sun was just starting to get up to be able to break through the dense trees. I am used to the weird and sometimes unsettling feeling that area gives you, but today felt weird. I hadn't seen any other cars on my way to the area, so I felt good about a successful hunt. As the minutes went by, I could hear a few deer moving in and was hoping a buck wouldn't be far behind. It was cooler this morning than the last few and it was easy to see one's breath. I started seeing the breath from behind some berry shrubs that I believed to be the deer I had heard and was excited to see them move through. After 10 minutes went by and the breathing kept coming from the same spot I started thinking maybe there is a buck behind the shrubs and he can smell me or know something's up. Then the does all booked it through the opening by the shrubs and were full speed through the woods. Shortly behind them was a sight I forgot about and this time had my heart almost exploding and my anxiety at max. Without any threat towards me, at least at the moment, my fight or flight was at red level and I was panicking what to do. I'm around 1,000 yards in dense woods with many hollows and ridges to get to my vehicle and nobody hunting with me to try and get to me. Being the zone I was in, I had my shotgun, but with what I have seen in the past, I wasn't too sure I was safe even with it. I traveled roughly 150, staying relatively slowly as to not make noise. As I waited by a tree and was listening and looking behind me, the wood were dead quiet. No birds, no squirrels running about and no wind. Some would think this is great cause you can hear everything, but those who spend time in the woods know when an apex animal moves and either the warning calls go off or it goes silent in the woods. I kept moving at a more increased pace and kept checking my phone for better service to call my in-laws to head out to my area for assistance. I was maybe 200 yards from my vehicle and I seen what I thought was my true end. 
On a small mound about 75 yards ahead stood a creature on all fours, but this one was different. The hair was brown and black, looked to be bigger and this time the front half was fully visible and I could see that it was the same kind of beast I've seen each time before. Half wolf, half great ape and I thought this thing is a test tube baby of some mad scientist. It stared directly at me for about five minutes and I was sure the other was somewhere close watching from behind. Then a huge gust of air came through the trees and the creature ran as if it was being hunted itself. I leaned against the tree by me inside and felt a huge relief wash over me almost like a shower of protection. I opened my eyes and looked up feeling I would see the same thing as before but there was clouds and open sky. Then the clouds seemed to distort and get morphed. Kinda like when glass has a curve or defect and it distorts your view of objects behind it. I know it was another craft flying above the trees and it was either a different one altogether or a different mechanism to hide being it was daylight this time. Now comes the really fun part. For about two years after I had almost ghost-like visits from these creatures. That is really the only way to explain it. They both would show up in my woods while collecting firewood or on a walk with my kids. Now I never got the same feelings I did the other times I felt like it was a memory playing in my head except they moved and did things I didn't physically see them do. One day I had my dog with me which I trained to protect my kids and wife at the time. He even tried to attack me when my ex took him in the woods on a leash. I put on a new hoodie and pulled the hood over my face. He came after me and even calling his name didn't calm him just when he was close enough to smell me so he I know catches everything around him. He was not on a leash this day and not even 10 feet in his hair raises and he starts growling but he seemed confused as to why himself. Then I seen both beasts about 20 feet ahead. I could see through them and they moved as if made of smoke. My dog lunged at one and went right through it with it dissipating like mist thinning in the morning sun. The other walked behind a tree and never came out the other side. It's been a few years now and I haven't seen the creatures fully but keep getting shadows at the edge of my view that look like them and they keep getting close on both sides each time. I have the biggest problem with how can what was a full physical interaction with what I figured was a cryptid or maybe other world being now be more paranormal spirit interaction that seems like a soul following me. Could they have died and I'm the one they didn't get or are they projecting to me like a calling? Either way, holding it in for years and keeping the other two encounters from the couple people I still talked to from the original group I finally figured I'd put the encounters and instances out there and let others give their feelings and takes on it. None of it has interfered with my life other than a few close heart attacks from anxiety or the couple's sleepless nights right after the encounters. Take as you will and am looking forward to the responses but as for going from a physical interaction to spectral over the years. I am lost and I am hoping I can get answers for the most extreme situation I have been through out of all my experiences with physical oddities and those that seem to be those of long ago lost between planes and afraid to move on. Comment or don't. I needed it out there and wonder if there are others with the same type of bizarre interactions that last decades and even change drastically.
So I hope you guys don't mind this is going to be a relatively long post so just bear with me. I'm not sure exactly if this is just maybe a strange coincidence or if maybe it's something more than that. Maybe just maybe I'm dealing with something of the paranormal. I'll let you decide. Let me first give you just a little bit of background about me. I go by the name of Dennis, obviously not my real name. But for the sake of this story, that's what you can call me. I'm from a pretty small town surrounded by lots of woods in the national park that I work in. Well, I guess I'll just keep that under wraps for now. This occurred at roughly about 3 in the morning. I was on my TV and I began to hear strange animal sounds. Now that's really strange for me because I'm pretty well versed in the animals that I know. I've heard it all. Mountain lions, bear, wild dogs, you name it. But the sound that I was hearing did not match up with anything that I'm used to hearing. So that was a number one red flag. And then the second red flag is, I began to hear heavy rapid breathing. Like if something was drowning, the kind of sound. But it was much deeper, much more guttural. Like it had this raspy quality to it. As if whatever voice it was was not only large, but it smoked about three packs of cigarettes a day for the last ten years. So as I'm sitting there listening to this, I think I should pull up my phone and start to record the noise. Well, I do this and the breathing noise stops. Just everything abruptly stops. Not only the breathing noises, but even all the crickets around me just cease and everything's quiet. Now I'm beginning to get a little unnerved and I start to feel like I'm no longer safe. Like something is watching me, but I'm not exactly sure what. So I kind of thoroughly check my surroundings, make sure I have all my equipment with me because God only knows what this could have been. Then that's when I start to speculate that I'm probably not dealing with a regular everyday animal. This might be something else. I hate to go into the whole it's paranormal, but I don't know. I've never dealt with these sorts of emotions and feelings from any sort of regular animal, at least none that I've ever encountered. I began feeling very uncomfortable. I figured it would just be best to get in my TV and go ahead and get going. I'm still really clueless as to what animal this could have been. Hiking alone around midnight in the woods, I'm going through a clearing. And to my right around a football throwing distance away, I see at least five pairs of eyes about my height staring at me. I froze and just stared, not being able to make out any shapes with my headlamp on a low enough setting so it was only bright enough to make their eyes glow. They were stepping around a little and the grass rustling made me think it was a group of hikers hanging out in the dark for some reason. This all happened fast in the span of like five minutes, ten seconds. All of a sudden they started bouncing toward me fast, raising high up and down, higher than my head. As they crossed my path I flashed my headlamp at them and saw it was a family of deer leaping through the grass to get away from me. Even then it was a little scary because I could feel the air on my face as they rushed close by. I got a good one. I was looking for worms on a stormy night on my well-lit street for fishing the next day. Worms loved the rain and were filling the streets. I wasn't finding anything worthwhile so I headed home. I knew a spot in my backyard that always had good-sized worms. I walked into my dark backyard with my dying headlamp and began to look around. I couldn't hear a thing due to the patter on my raincoat. 
I felt the shiver like I normally do when I'm being watched. Wasn't the first time. My headlamp had a setting that would burst light for a few moments, then diminish back to a very low setting when the batteries were low. I looked around and saw a set of yellow eyes staring at me from the brush about 20 yards away. My stomach dropped and I immediately drew my combat knife. I live in Colorado and knew that first they weren't the blue eyes that deer put off and second they were higher of the ground than a normal cat would stalking at. I tapped my light and saw a fully grown adult mountain lion watching me. Then, my light dimmed down back to its low light setting, while the cat looked away and I lost complete sight of it. I covered my throat with my arm with a shovel in it and slowly backed up to the stairs of my house while scanning every inch that my poorly lit headlamp could cover. I made it inside with my heart pounding. I believe that if I wouldn't have had that feeling, I wouldn't be here today. My back was completely turned to the cat and it could have been on my neck in a matter of seconds, killing me. If you are ever in the Rockies, scan at night and if you know you are being stalked, face the cat, cover your neck, and back up to friends or a safe location. For every one cat you see, at least ten have seen, stalk you. I've had this story on my mind for a long, long time. I've always been a fan of the supernatural and cryptid scene, but never had any standout experiences myself. I've lived in the northern Midwest my whole life and have come to appreciate the local lore that comes with. This is the story about my first real cryptid experience. It's a long one, but I hope you enjoy. In my late teens, I worked at a camp for a few summers. The camp was massive, with only about one-fifth of it being equipped for hospitality, dining hall, cabins, shower houses, etc., and the rest being wilderness. The land had six lakes on it, all connected by small rivers. What made this camp particularly eerie, however, was it was actually built around the Potawatomi burial ground. I won't get into the legends around the burial mounds, but overall, this place checked all the boxes for a B-list horror movie. Now, my job at camp was sort of a catch-all. I was a program director, lifeguard, cook, gift shop manager. Basically, if they needed a role filled, I was the one doing it. It kept me busy, and I had many long days. I would close the gift shop at about 7 each night, then head upstairs to the kitchen. I could walk back to my cabin if I wanted, but the cook hated the dark baby face crying hated the dark, so I'd help him with dishes and cutting fruit for breakfast, and then walk him to his cabin. I have one rule though, no flashlights. You can't see very well in the woods if your eyes are focused on a small beam of light. I hated the idea of people or animals sneaking up on us, so every night, in the moonlight, I would walk him to his cabin, then walk the public road to mine. My ulterior motive for taking the public road was, well, I'm a smoker and we have to be good role models for the kids. No smoking in camp, but they can't tell you what to do on public property. My cabin was right on the edge of the hospitable portion of the land. Miles of marshlands and forests sat behind my cabin and, fortunately or unfortunately, I had the cabin to myself. But the weird thing was that every night I would be smoking and walking the public road, and I would hear screaming in the woods. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. 
I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. It sounded like a woman was being murdered. I brushed it off the first night. There's a public access light. People get rowdy. Sound carries. Could be a prank, or a fox, or an owl. It's the woods. But it kept happening every night as soon as I stepped onto that road. I decided not to let it bother me. I had to be up early every day. No sense in chasing noise in the dark. I would get to my cabin, spread some tobacco for the land, and sleep soundly every night. Well, the end of summer came around. It was always bittersweet. You eat three meals a day with the same people for three months. They start to grow on you. One goodbye tradition we kept up over the years was on the final new moon of the camp season. The ranger would take the staff for a spirit walk. It was always good fun. He'd share the legends of the land with the new staff and try to shake them up. We would hike through the back of the camp, around the marshes and lakes, and see what kind of spooky things we would stir up. We all met at the only street light on the public road that night, but that year the ranger had his rifle slung over his shoulder. We ran into a cougar the year before, and two wolves lived in the back property, so I didn't think much of it. The rules are simple. No flashlights, no jingling keys, no running. If you run, we might not find you. They were half to scare people, half true. The woods were thick and the marshes were dangerous. Everything was going smoothly till we reached a river crossing not too far from the public road. It takes you to a clearing, just before the trail reconnects with the road behind my cabin. The moment we crossed the bridge, the woods went dead silent. You could hear yourself breathing. That, my friends, is one of the scariest things that can happen to you in the woods. Silence. And then, just like every night before, a blood-curdling scream ripped across the clearing. One of the new staff was about to take off before myself and another grabbed his arms. That's the screaming I've been hearing, I told my boss. That's the screaming I hear every night. The ranger shushed everyone. The scream came again, louder this time. The ranger whistled in the direction of the noise. It whistled back. Suddenly, the screaming surrounded us. Behind us, to the right, to the left. The group closed in, shoulder to shoulder, not daring to even breathe. The ranger, ever serious and calm, said barely over a whisper, we're turning around take the bridge back to the trail. We're going the long way, so in hurried steps, we made our way back to the streetlight that we met under without muttering a word. Once we were in light again, I could tell that the ranger was actually shaken up. This is the same man that was charged by a cougar in the dark and brushed it off. I need a cigarette. You haven't smoked in like two years. I need a cigarette. I wasn't about to argue with the man holding a rifle, so I obliged. After a few drags, he muttered, I don't want to scare anyone, but I know only one creature that can mimic human voices like that. It's a wendigo, I said, not even thinking. I was in shock. All summer I walked that road, and this thing was out there, screaming, trying to lure me in. That's when he said that, yes, he thought the same. 
He first thought it was one of the neighboring property owners looking for their dog, calling out for them, so he whistled. Then he explained the gun. All spring, he was finding deer strewn around the property, not unusual, being the woods and all, but there were so many and so brutally taken down. He said these things looked like they had been hit by cars, in the middle of the woods, absolutely mangled. More bizarrely, no other animals would touch them, no tracks that said bear, or wolf, or cougar. He was worried, with something bringing big game down like that, so he brought his rifle. No one said much after that. My boss got sage from her cabin and gave everyone who asked for one a blessing. We were shaken. After that, I changed cabins. I didn't know much in general at the time, so I wasn't troubled in the least to get off the public road. Didn't even care that I had to row out in the middle of the lake to have a cigarette. I wasn't stepping foot on that road, and I'm a little sorry to say I never stepped foot back on that property. Call me superstitious or lily-livered, but I couldn't bring myself to go back into those woods. Not even if you paid me. I feared the repercussions of divulging this story for well over 20 years even after my discharge from active service. We were told the penalty would be without mercy. It was considered sensitive classified information. In August 1995, my U.S. Marine platoon was conducting our third counter-narcotic JTF operation in a pre-selective national forest in California in a location I will keep secret. The past two summers yielded solid results with the identification and eventual eradication of several big-dollar marijuana grows in two different national forests. Federal law prohibits the military from acting as a police force. We were armed, but we were not allowed to engage or make arrests. Our job was to covertly insert into pre-designated areas chosen because of their remoteness and prior activity and from gathered intelligence of Mexican cartel informants who had knowledge of growth sites in and around this particular national forest. Our job was to find a water source, follow it, look for signs, and locate any growth sites, then set up an observation post and gather intelligence and monitor activity until the state and local law enforcement made the bust. We're only allowed to use deadly force if our lives were physically threatened and even then it would be a slippery slope, even if they spotted us and confronted us. We would insert wearing civilian clothes and posing as hikers or campers. We were in four-man teams on three-day patrols. I and my assistant team leader carry shotguns and nine millimeters. The two junior marines carried M16 seconds at OS. We had thermals, GPS, compass, map, and protractors. We had a radio and a sound phone. We carried water filtration pumps and fire tents because of the threat of forest fire that year. It was a very dry summer. We did not carry a lot of ammunition. Our goal was to not be seen or get out of Dodge as quick as possible after finding the stream which ended up being a trickle due to the drought. We pressed on for about two hours. We walked in the stream bed walking on each side. We're near vertical 50 feet walls. We navigated around an extremely wide curve in the stream that was on point and as I came around a giant boulder in the middle of the stream bed I saw directly in front of me brown fur and large claws. 
I raised my weapon, which alerted the rest of the team, and it was a bear, a dead bear lying on his stomach with his head nearly ripped off, twisted so it was facing up towards the sky. His four limbs draped over the sides of the flat elevated rock in the stream. It had large chunks of meat torn out along the sides of his spine in a gut pile. It was a gruesome sight. I didn't understand what I was looking at. We took defensive positions because my only thought was poachers or Mexican growers looking for fresh meat after spending several months tending and guarding a gross site. My assistant, a Native American from the Navajo Nation in New Mexico, was the first to spot two sets of gigantic bear-toed footprints in the damp soil all around the stream bed. We followed them to the edge of the western side of the stream and they went straight up the near-vertical wall to the top. A person would need climbing gear to achieve that ascent. No ropes, no gear, just disturbed dirt and rock from where they climbed straight up. We heard no one running, no one climbing, no rocks following, just dead silence. A terrifying feeling of dread came over the team. My assistant looked very concerned. To make matters worse, I asked him what the hell was going on and he said, this ain't good boss. The footprints were enormous. One set was clearly bigger than the other. I said to my assistant, why are they barefoot? I still didn't get it. He suggested we reroute and change direction. He said we were somewhere where we shouldn't be and were asking for trouble. He said they were wild men and this was their kill and their land and they're probably watching us as we speak. I looked dumbfounded and clueless and he whispered in my ear so that the other two junior guys wouldn't hear and freak out. Sasquatch. But he called them something else and for the life of me, I can't remember. It was something in his native tongue. I felt like something was watching us now. Or was it my imagination? The air in the woods had changed. The woods got quiet. I heard no birds or crickets. Even the mosquitoes stopped biting. I had an area of operation to recon and a mission to accomplish. If I had radioed in that we were altering our route and told them why I would have been relieved of my responsibility and embarrassed in front of the entire platoon. I said we're moving out. Let's pick up the pace and get to our next checkpoint before 16.00 hours. As we moved to our next checkpoint, I remember smelling the overpowering stench of rotting garbage. It was intense. It seemed to be everywhere. It was pungent to the point it almost made me sick. But then it just went away as quick as it came. Things remained tense and uncertain. But when we discovered empty bags of fertilizer and several yards of gardening hose along the edge of the stream bed, it alerted us to the possibility of a gross sight. And we soon forgot all about the weirdness that just happened. We followed the hose down from the stream onto a game trail and into a clearing about 200 yards off the stream. That was when we first smelled the unmistakable skunky aroma of marijuana. We could all see bits of fluorescent material through the trees which we assumed was a tent. So we have a gross sight. We did an area reconnaissance of 360 degrees and we found an ideal overwatch position on an elevated plateau about 75 yards from the growers camp. We also spotted the pot field. I estimated at least 300 to 500 plants. We radioed everything in and set up our listening and observation posts. The crazy thing was there were no growers and we heard not a sound and from the appearance of the camp it seemed unusually unkept, almost abandoned. Something didn't add up. Did they spot us? Did they make a run for it even though these sites were cartel owned? 
These sites were usually operated by poor farmers smuggled into the woods with minimal supplies and tasked with living the entire growing season in the woods until harvest. After examining the camp and tying up some loose ends, we kind of determined it had been abandoned for some time. But we had to assume they'd be back or were still in the area. Around midnight, I completed my two-hour security shift and I fell asleep almost immediately. While sleeping, I remember hearing my guys speaking nervously, scared and confused, arguing and contemplating. I thought it was a dream. But in reality, they had a situation unfolding less than an hour after falling asleep. I awoke to a blood-curdling scream that punched me right in the gut. I awoke to three panicked marines with the most terrified expressions that I've ever seen on grown men. I asked in my most pissed off, half asleep, angry voice, who the F screamed. I thought our cover was blown and the operation was awash. Their mouths hung open without a single word muttered. I heard the scream again. I never heard anything like this. It was deep and guttural. It went through you like a sonic boom. It was like a woman screaming but deeper and louder. The garbage odor got stronger like we were lying in it. My assistant said, 12 o'clock movement. I got my weapon and grabbed the night vision. After fumbling around with the goggles, I managed to get them turned on and I put them to my face. Now we had to scan for a couple of seconds. I had a heat source almost immediately, and it was huge. I thought bear, but it walked from behind the tree, then crouched down real stealthy, then down to all fours behind the grower's tents. I knew it was no bear. It kept raising up, peeking from behind the two tents. The grower's tents were set up side by side. It obviously didn't account for us having night vision, and it stood up straight. There was no moon, and it was pitch black out. I could see it fully. I estimate this thing at ten feet, maybe five feet across, with long lanky arms, and no neck. I can still remember how long its arms were in relation to its body. It was not proportional at all. It started growling and it still didn't sink in what I was looking at. The growling was deep and continuous. I yelled at it. It immediately squatted back down behind the tents like it was thinking to itself. Oh, they see me. Just then, like an explosion, it came crashing through the tents charging straight at us. The other three marines were fumbling around in the dark for their flashlights. We were still grouped, but everyone was looking for gear and weapons. I chambered a shell and remember the distinct sound of the M16 charging handle to the left of me sliding home. At least we had two weapons on it. I dropped the night vision. I did not strap them to my face. Instead, I held them there. But as I drew my weapon, I let them go. I told my assistant to grab the night vision down by my knees somewhere. The only way we could see this freight train coming at us was because it had crashed through the tents. One of the tents got hung up on it and it was being carried around with it as it charged. It charged maybe 25 to 30 yards before it made a hard left and straight into the tree line. It must have snared the hijacked tent and the tent was now hung up in a tree about 8 feet off the ground. It didn't go far into the woods. The crashing and snapping lasted about 3 seconds and stopped. It was still closed. It started growling again and the volume would go up and down and up and down. The panic was hitting us all hard. I was starting to worry about one of my guys discharging his weapon and shooting one of us accidentally. I called up her names and where their positions were in relation to mine. It was so dark and was so confusing. 
I wanted all of us elbow to elbow and accounted for, with weapons pointed in a safe direction and not at the back of my head. This creature started making a different noise now, like a chattering Chinese-type language followed by an occasional whoop, then a twenty-second growl back to the weird chattering. It was so odd, terrifying, and unreal all at the same time. I was trying to keep myself together. I wanted to gain accountability and control and make sure I was making good decisions even with a monster fifty yards to my three o'clock. I was still worried about the consequences brought forth by my commander making a bad decision. We heard a loud crack followed by a second or third crack and then the unmistakable sound of a tree falling. It had dropped a huge tree with ease. It crashed down with a thud into the camp area about 50 yards from us. I asked for the radio so I could inform the command of the situation. So one of my marines was fumbling around trying to locate the radio. My eyes were glued to the area from where the tree had fallen. I couldn't even blink. I was absolutely terrified. Again, I asked for the radio. We had two weapons on the thing at three o'clock. My assistant was scanning with the night vision and the fourth marine was now trying to reach someone on the radio. The last radio check was at 22 hours and we were doing four hour comm checks. He managed to get someone on the radio but the signal was garbled. He kept repeating that there was something attacking us and we need help. They asked to speak with the TL actually me. I stuck out my left hand, grabbed the radio, and informed command we had unknown hostiles probing our observation post. I didn't know what to say. They asked about numbers and weapons and visual identification. I told them unknown but we need the rapid response team and an emergency evac immediately. Just then a screen comes from our six o'clock. It was a similar screen to the first, but this one was closer. We had abandoned situation awareness and forgot about covering the six o'clock. We couldn't see the second one, nor can we hear anything other than the initial scream. The one on our three o'clock started moving as it rounded our position, making its way to six o'clock from where the second screen came from. I turned on my mag light that was attached to the barrel of my shotgun and followed this thing as it ran on all fours like a chimpanzee. It moved with such speed and agility and just plowed everything in its way to the ground. For the first time, I saw it. It looked brownish-red and it was immense. It had huge thick legs and massive shoulders. You could hear the impacts on the ground every time it advanced. The speed was incomprehensible. It got from point A to point B in less than 10 seconds. It was now 50 yards toward 6 o'clock behind a group of large fir trees. We could hear its breathing with massive lungs and a massive chest. Can we shoot sergeant? One of my marines asked. I said, no, hold your fire, lieutenant. The man wanted me on the radio, but I couldn't move. It began chattering again. I raised my shotgun with the mag light still on and made eye contact with this monster peering up from behind the fir tree. It snarled at me and began growling. Its hair had twigs and leaves in it. It had patches of bare skin like it had mange. It had no neck and huge black eyes. The jaw muscles on each side of its face were huge. It was the biggest thing I'd ever seen as it started growling. A different growl joined in. I raised the gun higher and followed the center for a tree up towards the top and there it was the second one. It had climbed this fir tree and it was about 75 feet in the air. It managed to get behind us and climb a tree without a sound. All military discipline had gone out the window. 
We all had flashlights turned on and we were yelling at each other and at these beings. One of my marines was yelling, get out of here. Another kept saying, WTF, WTF. I ordered everyone to gather their gear and get on their backpacks and we backed up into the main campsite area trying to put a little more distance between us and these things. I ordered to gather as much wood as possible. There was a lot laying around from the fallen tree. The tree this creature fell was dead and broken into hundreds of pieces. They were strewn about. I started a campfire which was probably a terrible idea given the fire conditions that summer and it's the last thing marines would do on a real-life nighttime operation. But this was no ordinary mission. It was just so dark and I was hoping the extra light and the sight of a fire would sway these things from advancing any further. I truly feel they're engaging us, looking for a weakness or an opening. The large one stayed put as the second one would pace out to its left and right. Its head kept jerking around like it was viewing us from multiple angles. It was terrifying how it jerked its head around never taking its eyes off of us. It came down from the tree in less than two seconds. It was faster than a chipmunk in a hundred times the size. At this time help was about two hours away they were going to meet us about a mile north on an old forestry road that we found on the map. When they were one hour out that's when we would make our move and head north to meet up with my unit. It was fairly even terrain and had no major obstacles. Back and forth communication with my unit command only created more confusion for everyone not involved. If I were them I'd be thinking the same thing. These guys are crazy. We made our move out of the campsite. We heard them follow. We left the fire going. I remember thinking to myself I hope I didn't start a forest fire. But the lingering fire gave us the courage to venture into the dark woods. My assistant was an ace at land navigation and I took up the rear with the night vision now properly strapped to my face. I thought about a warning shot or two but even that would exact a severe penalty for discharging live rounds in a national forest without a legitimate reason. Even though we had a reason it would have landed me in the NJP. I had weapons, but I might as well have been unarmed. Using them would have gotten us in trouble and would have only angered these beings because anything short of a 50 caliber round would only piss these things off. They were that big. They didn't harass us much on our track out. I figured it would have been a prime opportunity for them to make a move but they kept their distance. But we were still close enough that the pungent smell of rotting trash still hung in the air. And at one point one of them advanced out in front to our left flank and held its position as we passed. We eventually met up with the response team. My platoon sergeant was angry and full of questions. But as these beings made their presence known he relented. In a way I was glad these things followed us because I highly doubt they would have believed us. They wouldn't. They arrived in two SUVs and an eight passenger van as these things screamed and broke limbs. My platoon sergeant acted unusually calm and accounted for everyone and all their equipment and weapons. He would occasionally look in their direction but made no inquiries about what these things were. He was a very calm and cool combat veteran and wanted to get good accountability for personnel and equipment. Asked questions later, the response team members set up a perimeter and I could hear them asking amongst themselves what the hell are we looking at. Even during a Bigfoot encounter, we were professionals and it was done by the book. Several Marines kept their weapons out, the ready round in the chamber. 
but I had unloaded and made safe mine along with the rest of my team. I made sure all my guys go to the van before I entered. The platoon sergeant rounded out the response team and they began to load up into the SU versus I finally heard the platoon sergeant ask another sergeant, WTF is going on. We drove out into one of the blackest, darkest nights I've ever seen. All of a sudden a huge rock smashed through the front windshield of the lead SUV. The driver cut the wheel hard left and they ended up rolling over down a small hill. The vehicle ended up on its side again. Every Marine present exited the vehicles and set up a defensive perimeter around the downed SUV. One Marine received a broken collarbone and a minor concussion. Now things got real. At this point, the sheriff and forestry departments were en route to our location. National Guard Blackhawks were on standby for the entire month of operations and they dispatched one chopper to provide aerial security. We were to remain in place, maintain 100 security and wait for daylight. By 7 a.m. the cavalry had arrived and we were finally on our way out of the forest. I'd never talked about this incident, even amongst ourselves. The terrified look on some of these guys' faces is still burned into my memory. The sounds and smells I experienced that night along with the terrifying looks of these beings will be with me until the day I die. Hello, sir. I have tried to find answers to my experience. Maybe you can help me. It was July 10, 1996. At around 11 a.m. I drove to Warsaw, Missouri to check the mailbox at the post office in downtown Warsaw. As I was heading west, in front of Newman's grocery store I passed a black car heading east with two men in it. The men were dressed in black suits and black glasses and riding in an older model black car. I thought right away, men in black. I thought that was an odd event. I picked up the mail and headed back to the office south of Warsaw. An hour later, I needed to run out to Warsaw High School for some paperwork. As I headed on the highway south towards the high school, I just happened to look left down Highway MM. And there sat the same black car facing north towards our office. I thought how odd. Later that day, I finished work and headed home to Sedalia, Missouri. When I arrived at my apartment, around 6.30 p.m., I looked out my second-floor apartment sliding door and saw the same black car backed into the apartment complex parking lot. I thought WTH. About an hour later, the car was gone. I went over to see my mom, who lived next door. While I was over there, I also went to see an older lady friend who lived next to my mom. My friend told me that some IRS men had asked her some questions about me. Now, I knew why they had been there. The bizarre thing is that I never heard anything from the IRS, and I never saw a UFO or what I thought was an extraterrestrial being. Who were these guys and what did they really want? It's been 27 years since the day and I still have no clue what it was about. Do you or your readers have any thoughts? Well, the jackalope phenomenon isn't mythical, and it's not extinct either. I wish I had a camera, but I am in malady of Turkey at the moment. I was driving down a treacherous mountain road three nights ago. I was going only about 30 Kelvin pH when something came down the hill into the road. I thought at first it was a rock so I slammed on the brakes, but then it hit my headlights. 
I had never heard of these before, the most fascinating creature I had ever seen. So naturally, I was quite curious about what kind of animal this was. It was probably three feet tall at the back. It ran like a dog but looked like a rabbit. But it had a miniature antler rack on its head that would make the biggest and most majestic buck deer jealous. I got home and decided to look this thing up on the internet. I was wondering if they were strictly found in this region of the world, only to be met by an onslaught of its fake legends, myths, and cryptozoological scientific terminology for fake. In one collaboration site, sort of, this site claimed that all horns grown on a rabbit are cancerous and not calcium. They say that it is tumorous material instead. Whilst this site is correct about cancer causing tumors, the tumors are always misshapen, saggy, and pathetic looking. What I saw were definitely regal looking calcified antlers. So, I guess that I am officially one of the nutcases and embellished storytellers, but I know what I saw. I saw it clearly, nothing in my way, not a foggy night. It was very clear and very well lit up by my headlights.